Hey there, I'm Chase Ryan, and this is Gear For You. In this podcast, I get to have conversations with my friends about their lives, the industries they work in, the things they make, and the gear they use to make it. This episode is a bit older as we recorded it at the end of last year. I'm only just getting around to releasing it, but I'm still really excited because I got to talk with Mark Eshelman from Real Bear Media. He is most widely known as the creative director for the band 21 Pilots since 2011. He's also responsible for their live music documentary footage and is a director for many of your favorite music videos like Stressed Out, Chlorine, Level of Concern, and most recently, Choker, to name a few. Mark is crazy knowledgeable, super talented, and one of my biggest inspirations in cinematography. He's also one of my closest friends and one of the funniest guys I know, as you'll hear. So without any further ado, here is Mark Eshelman. Hey Mark, thanks for coming on the show. You know, I didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I know, it didn't take too much, but uh, I'm glad you did it anyway. I mean, I would have flown for this. You would have? No, well, I mean, if things were different, I uh, I definitely would have flown in for this, but only private and if you paid for it. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, we definitely have that budget now that we uh, we have a, a certain mattress company backing us. So we'll uh, we'll get that plug purple? at the end of this. No, we have no mattress company helping us. <laughs> I just did an ad then. Well, I mean, purple could have been just the color of the mattress. Yeah. The... <laughs> oh, that purple. No, mattress? this is a certain mattress, but it's just bright. It's purple. just purple. <laughs> You know, shout out to the artist formerly known as Prince for <laughs> leaving that in his will, the purple mattress to chase. Yeah, th- thank you for that. Which is full I, I, of enough money that. to pay for a private jet. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, how long you've been doing it. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a hardball gear question after that. My name is Mark Christopher Eshelman. My last name uh, is comes from a Dutch background. When I was in college, I took an English course because you had to. And we had to write about our family tree. And I did it the night before it was due. Mm-hmm. Looked it up that my last name was Dutch. And I wrote about how much I liked woodworking. <laughs> and it was such a stretch, but I passed. I also had to do a show and tell presentation for speech class. Mm-hmm. And I brought in an empty mason jar, walked up to the front of the room, kind of did like a wizardy hand in the air thing with no. the mason draw threw the cap on and said, I'm presenting air today. Um, I am a most recently a content director for mostly musicians. That role has been for the last five years, I guess, but mm-hmm. totality of visual capturing for the last 10 years professionally, meaning I got a paycheck and it paid for everything. Okay, awesome, dude. Well, now I'm going to hit you with uh, the gear question. So this is definitely a question about gear. It's not about anything else, only about gear. It's really, really difficult. So just so you know, you might not get it, but it's 100% about gear for sure. All right. Well, I used to just always have a excuse that like, I'm just all about being creative. I don't care about like the gear and stuff until like recently. So it's like now I get really excited about the stuff now that I've gotten over that phase of trying to like excuse myself from not knowing a lot about gear. Now that I'm over that and I'm all about like calling up someone like you whenever I need to talk about something or work something now that I pride is not where it is, you know, cause I was really, really? I didn't about, realize like, that. Yeah. I mean like the first couple of years, like even when the band I was working for the most got a manager and one of the first notes was like, Hey, let's change up the logo a little bit that 
you made. Like I was really insecure about that. And so I have, I have been spending the last at least year and a half to two years really shedding all these insecurities. And one of those being knowledge about gear and knowing that it's okay to ask questions because later that'll translate to answers for someone else. Wow, dude, that's, that's awesome. This, like, uh, we're, I, we're starting this podcast off with some self-improvement stuff. I love this. That's the whole point of living, man, is yeah. figuring out how you can make tomorrow better than today. Dude, I want to I want to give you the podcast and start right off now. By making tomorrow better by a new purple, <laughs> purple mattress. mattress. <laughs> you can't sacrifice a good night's sleep. Be sure to go to purplemattress.com/slash/chase_ryan. <laughs> Enter code gear for you. I think I peaked there, Chase. Sorry. That's fine. It's fine. We'll get. I probably peaked too. Do you want me to um, ADR? I, yeah. Can you can you can you come back in? Can you uh, fly in? For yeah. two lines of, of ADR, please. Um, all right. Well, I guess let's get to that uh, gear questions. Uh, well, last time I saw you was in Medbay. How'd you get to electrical so quick? I vented. You caught me. Orange sus, dude. Orange sus. I knew. I knew. Immediately. I, 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 I can't. <laughs> so that, that game is... So there's two types. And I don't want to talk about my new town that I live in too much because it's going to come off... Maybe that's just another insecure thing. Maybe I'm I just say go like, for it. Just go for okay. it. I'll tell you. Well, I don't want to a... talk about it too much, but one thing I've learned since I moved to this new city is mm-hmm. traffic fatigue, where you get tired even though you're just sitting in traffic. Oh, yeah. That's a real thing. And two, which is not so bad anymore because everyone's like staying home, but two is like lying fatigue with Among Us. Oh, That's two yeah. things I've learned this year. So... Boy. Me and Lindsay, like whenever we play, because my girlfriend Lindsay, I I always play with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, either Legos or Among Us, just depends on the night. And uh, we kind of like finish the game, like kind of exhausted, like yeah. from lying. It's just like I don't, yeah, because you have to like, be active it, it about it. You know, like, you have to I, actively say, what is this person gonna believe? And like, that's a weird headspace to put yourself in constantly. It's, um, it is, it's emotionally draining, dude. I, I feel that. Emotionally draining, fatigue, yeah. lying fatigue. It's, it's all of that mixed in together. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get it. I mean, it's just, I don't want to like, I, I love being the imposter. I think yeah. everyone does, maybe except for you. I don't love being the imposter. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. But I love being it whenever I, I'm the right energy level, but like yeah. if it's like game seven or eight, it starts to hit me really hard, and mm-hmm. I and I get, I don't know. I had to take a few nights off from it, just because it's just too much. Well, you know, the first time I pl- outside of so for everyone at home, the game we're talking about is a game called Among Us. So this game is basically kind of like Mafia, if anyone's played Mafia in real life, but it's uh, you know as it's a digital game. Um, and basically, there's however many imposters you want, and uh, or it's one or two normally, right? Is that right, Mark? Um, the- it can go up to three, but it's recommended two for ten players. When you get down yeah, to like seven enough. or six players, you should drop down to one imposter, or else it's just a kill fest. Yeah, or uh, make the cooldown really high. Uh, but yeah, I I totally the first time I played a game like that, um, like not in real life. It was 
what was that that other game? It's like a space game, and there's like you have different tasks, like you can draw and stuff like that. Oh, uh, push the button. Push for, the button. Um, Jackbox games. Yeah, for Jackbox. Six, but, I think. But see, when you're doing Jackbox, you can play different types of games, you know, where it's still competition, but it's different types of games. So you get like a cool off, you know? You don't have to constantly be like, you know, lying or tricking each other. So I think for me, that's like a better sweet spot, even though I do enjoy Among Us and it's, it's a really big game right now. Uh, well, dude, you answered that question pretty well. We all knew it was orange. Uh, and we knew you vented, so thank you for being honest about it. Yeah, I mean, I I saw someone camping uh, cams, so I I knew I was. <laughs> it done was for. you that I was camping I, cams. I, You're the knew, only person who yeah. ever camps cams. Dude, it's so it's it's so good because yeah. there's a handful of players we play with regularly that still haven't noticed the red blinking light on the cameras yeah. whenever someone's using them, and it's just so easy to just see that slice and dice and then hit the button. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's for sure easy as long as they believe you, right? And that's also when it like when you've played it so much that people stop believing you. Yeah, like it's, like it's funny because I remember the first couple games I ever played, like whenever someone reported a body and saw someone walking away with it, no one even thought about calling it a self-report. People yeah. were just like, "Oh yeah, you're right. You did see that person because we were so new to the game." Now it's like if you if I see you kill someone and I hit like report the body, yeah, people will be like, "Well, it might be a self report. I don't think we have enough information because I saw Chase emptying the garbage chute down at the bottom of the map of storage." So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's just I, it's funny how the game has evolved based off like experience. It's a very interesting psychological game too, because like as you said, there's like a group of people that if if a group of people always plays it, like I feel like you were like so good at the beginning of the game that now everyone thinks you're the imposter. Yeah, you no, know that's I what feel makes like me that's... really upset is because Lindsay will always look at me and be like, "Yo, dude, I I I saw you," and then when yeah. as soon as I defend myself, <laughs> someone else chimes in and be like, "Well, when Mark really defends himself, it's usually because he's an imposter. Like whenever he's not." Whenever he's a crewmate, he doesn't defend himself as much. I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I, I hate it and love it. Like I'll go to bed saying I'm never turning that game on. I'm uninstalling, and then I'll wake up and be like, I wonder if we can get ten tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this has been Games with Chase and Mark. Thank you for joining us. Hey, that's uh, gear. Thanks again to Purple Mattresses. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, let's, uh, let's just get into it. So when did you realize that you were interested in videography and film? I remember, so when I was like six or seven, maybe eight, I don't want to give myself too much credit at a young age. I lived with my grandparents because my mom and biological dad divorced really young. And so I was, my mom was going to school for full time to be a registered nurse working at a pizza shop to get by. Um, And so my grandparents watched me. And so what I did is I just consumed film, movies, cartoons, whatever, constantly. Because my grandma, God rest her soul, like just waited on me hand and foot, which I (laughs) am now, I I noticed as I got older, like how much she did for me. And I just took it for granted. Um, But she would let me just sit there and watch everything. I would get up early like in elementary school, I'd get up like at 5.30 in the morning and watch Pokemon, uh, watch all these uh, cartoons in the morning, go to school. And then like in kindergarten, I'd come home because I had morning a.m. Kinderg- kindergarten. 
So I had the afternoon off. That's just mm-hmm. how we did it. I don't know if that's common, but uh, kindergarten, I'd come home, watch Gullah Gullah Island, eat a grilled cheese sandwich. So like my whole life was structured around these yeah. cartoons and movies and stuff. Five Goes West, uh, Great Mouse Detective, which was one of the first tattoos I ever got. Uh, with oh, really? Detective. I didn't yeah, know that. Forearm. That's that's the first. I'm the you one's on one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, okay, those of you listening, it. you can yeah. see it's an upside down. Yeah. This uh, is this is good content for the podcast. Mouse detective. Um, yeah, we can cut that out. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm not gonna cut it out. <laughs> um, there's a picture of it somewhere on the internet. Um, so my whole life was structured around watching them, and then as soon as I wasn't watching them, I was playing back what I saw, and my mom recalls to this day me like reciting lines of dialogue front to back end to end just perfectly playing it out what I just saw and so wow it it got to a point where you know she was wanting me to go outside and wanting me to do something different but no matter where I was it was all about reciting what I just saw and I just like really just got infatuated by visual art I guess Mm. um and my mom actually has a laminated piece of paper that I wrote what she calls my first sentence ever. And it says, Mommy, I want to be a movie maker. Spelled terribly. But that's but do you, she still do you have has a picture that of that. Um, I can get one. Yeah. I yeah, think, get that I to me. It, We're putting yeah, that on I the Instagram. It, that's gonna be the next <laughs> Instagram post. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's spelled horribly, that's awesome. but for some reason I just thought that and so my grandpa had like a little VHS camera and like I'd make him film me. First and foremost, I remember storyboarding like a Gatorade commercial in my head where a ball kept on like morphing as it was passed between like what age did you do your first storyboard? I mean, that was later. That was like probably 10 or 11. Okay, but still, but it was storyboarding at 10 or 11, even in your head is like, that's that's pretty big. And then it evolved into in seventh grade. uh, My junior high school did kind of like what they called like a quote unquote like gifted class that mm-hmm. was in a different building. And it was like a very experimental, like these kids tested well in sixth grade. Let's have them do this. And the person that ran that class, mm. Mrs. Stewart, who I'm still in contact with today, I think she does like real estate now or something. So if you're in Southern Ohio looking for a house, <laughs> be sure to reach out to Mrs. Stewart. Um, <laughs> We've got so many sponsor spots out of nowhere. I love it. This is great. Great. Shadow Legends. Um, (laughs) So anyway, she happened to be pretty knowledgeable about consumer camera. Mm -hmm. She would do all the football highlights for the high school team, like all the sports stuff. She would be there with the camera. And so she was like, well, let me take it upon myself to spend this, you know, how long were classes back then? Like 45 minutes? Uh, yeah, something like that. 45 minutes, an hour. She's like, "How? let me spend my 45 minutes with these quote-unquote gifted kids and see like what a video program looks like. And so I walked into, whether it be on accident, whether it be some kind of spiritual journey, I walked into this classroom where they she was like, okay, here's how you get started. And that was such a big turning point. And there's a video on my one of my social media accounts that is a video I made that year, which was me trying to be Steve Irwin talking about a pencil that like a, a number two pencil. I've seen this. Yeah. yeah I think I, I've, yeah. I've linked it. I love um, this actually. So this is great. It's, it's me talking about 
like trying to host this nature show. And so I also did that year an interview with my grandpa about being a firefighter. And like I introduced B-roll to the class narrative. Like she was like, I show I was done with mine first and we mm-hmm. used iMovie on those big, ugly, clear IMAX. You remember those? Oh yeah. Um, we we did iMovie on those and so I did B-roll and gave mine first and the Mrs. Stewart watched it and was like, and she implemented B-roll into the uh, project. And so you had to like find B-roll for your piece. Mm -hmm. And so she did a really good job of introducing that to me. And so seventh grade turned into eighth grade. Eighth grade was all about skateboarding. Um, Skate. So I started making skateboard Skateboard videos with my friend and Mrs. Stewart let me come over, like come over to her, office after hours and and just edit on her machine and i would just edit skateboard footage together and it was just awful i mean we were terrible skateboarders but it was i was like having fun like figuring out how to sync music and all that stuff yeah and then skateboarding turned into playing music mm-hmm. in high school so we got in my skateboarding buddy drew he started listening to punk bands um and so we would listen to music and then he bought a bass and told me to buy a guitar. And so we started learning how to play music. And then in high school, I met my still to this day, best friend chance, who was a drummer mm-hmm. and started playing music for his band. And I replaced his guitar player. Cause the guitar player went to just being a vocalist because mm-hmm. he wasn't that great of a guitar player. And I stick what stuck with chance throughout high school. We did little like videos from our shows. I'd have our friends like record our set. And then I would edit videos for MySpace. And that turned into me going, uh, choosing college. And my mom took me to, because I didn't really grasp that you could make a career off these skateboard videos, off these band videos. Like I was living in a bubble and thought I was just doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, like, I don't know why I didn't understand it. I think the only thing I thought you could do at the time was like, like when I first started in seventh, eighth grade, I was thinking like, well, what do I do? Work for the news station? Like that's Uh, for some reason, that's the furthest, like I wasn't thinking movies. I wasn't Mm -hmm. thinking like, uh, like anything documentary, anything like that. I was just like really in my own bubble. And it was just, I don't know if it was ignorance or just like, I, I I spent a lot of my younger years just being like, kind of like just floating through and not really thinking about the future. So I think Mm -hmm. that had to do something with it, had something to do with it. So my mom took me to the town mall which was this indoor mall that was having a college like fair, mm-hmm. like in the concourse area, whatever, in the middle of the mall. And I came across this art institute in Cincinnati and I just grabbed some plant pamphlets, grabbed some pamphlets somewhere else. And my mom kind of asked me like, is this something you want to do or try? And I said, yeah, sure. And it was only two years. It was associates program for video. And mm-hmm. I went there kept playing music, which I think I kind of thought was going to take off, which yeah. was kind of uh, ignorant once again. <laughs> Lots of ignorance. Well, I mean, youthful there's, ignorance. A, there's a pretty equal chance that either of those will, will take off at the, the same amount, you know? You're in a bubble. You, anything can happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you're in the bubble, for uh, sure. So Still playing with chants, still playing music. Uh, we were playing some heavier, like the Chariot, Norma Jean influenced music. So we were like making these grungy videos and recording, just having fun, being influenced by like Godspeed You Black Emperor as well. So like discovering 
28 Days Later by Danny Boyle because of Godspeed You Black Emperor and like really starting this oh. process of marrying sonic waveforms with visual media and yeah. learning what Godspeed underneath a gritty broken like abandoned London like what that does to you emotionally mm. and like starting to put that together in my head and so we started making some more like using like a boss dd7 to make some like weird ambience music <laughs> um, and and like learning That's great like I how mean, to make music beds and like what else that. do you need as an indie filmmaker than ambience music <laughs> yeah exactly right royalty free royalty ambience free music ambience music you just need drones that's all yeah. you need and so like moving on you know being in college and what a college kid does is he discovers he or she discovers cigarettes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and like you know finding that using cigarettes as a music bed for this skit that i made that like ended up being a comedy which like was funny because cigarettes like made it feel like a certain way and then i yeah. flipped it on its head um having two just two very influential professors instructors mm-hmm. i don't know if they i think they can only be called professors if they have a master's but instructors instructors one yeah. was introducing me to final cut pro 7 okay yeah and the other introducing me to after effects and also the one uh clint oh my gosh clint is it woods or brown i re- i remember like my uh sound foundations teacher in college i remember everything he t- I, I can recite to you all of the different zones of delay in the milliseconds that they reside <laughs> yeah. in and i cannot remember his name for the life of me so yeah that's like at the end that of, <laughs> that's that's pretty much how that works you know like there's so much that goes into it. Like, even if you don't remember their names, like we remember, like we're very influenced by what we learned in those. Did, was it was it a good experience overall? And a lot, uh, some people I, th- I feel like don't really take to colleges kind of like we went to because I oh, went I to mean, a film if college. It wasn't, as well. If it wasn't for those two instructors, I would have wasted sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, far. really. Okay, they each represented thirty thousand dollars somehow, <laughs> and I and I think. You know, thank thankfully my parents were able to help me through college. I think they only made me pay like a hundred bucks a month to help them towards the cost okay. of my uh, loan. And then after that, there was like only maybe twelve thousand left over, maybe more. Okay, yeah. but I was able to pay through that. So I got really lucky in the sense that my parents decided to early on in their life when my mom was working at a pizza place. I think she was thinking about saving up for my tuition mm. and I can't thank them enough for letting their son just like go and try being a video director or, or editor or whatever. Yeah. So those two instructors, Final Cut Pro 7 with one, he was just so like hand-holdy when I needed it and mm-hmm. kind of like inspired me when I needed it. And then Clint, he like showed up and he said sunglasses on shorts, writes Clint on a, on the, on the yeah. whiteboard <laughs> like, nah, there's no mister here, no professor here, just call me Clint. Super lax. Yeah, um, that's a so, that's a cool professor. So he I had two courses with him. The first mm-hmm. one was After Effects, which same thing, hand holding. Yeah. Here's two D, two and a half D, editing. Uh, here's yeah. how you make light, make the object have a, a drop shadow, and here's how you make it flicker. And like, really patient, which is, I don't know, man. Like, I didn't have the best classmates. A lot of people that went to that, I don't know what it was, but they just didn't give a crap. Yeah. About anything. Yeah, and we had like a seventy percent dropout. Oh yeah, at our school, like I feel yeah. like art school is a lot. Just like, 
people either have the patience for it because the people who go into it also, when, once they hit technical knowledge, it's like they like zone out. They're like, I'd rather be out doing the thing. And like you miss a lot from that if you do that. Yeah, there was this one student in particular, I remember being in like a lighting class and he was like, I only use natural light. Like I don't want to learn about, you know, mm. Fresnels or or tungsten lights or yeah. knowing what this and that is or what a bounce is or what a diffuser does. Like he goes, I only shoot natural light. And I was like, wow, you're in college, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's definitely that that gets lost on people. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 art's great, but like the, the gear side of it, like that's so important. Like, it's, it's, yeah. That's part of the art. That's part of the, yeah. the, that's why a film set works so well because the cinematographer knows exactly what kind of lights do what. The director can look at the script and like work with the actors and like that's their tool. Yeah. Um, the editor like needs to know like, wow, why is, why is my, my multi-cam section of this lagging out on me and and why why do I need to make proxies and why is this 4K like what is the color it's like what kind of file do they need and how can I get that to them like all that stuff is just that's just part of it like yeah. there's no yeah art for art's sake in this like that stuff I don't know yeah like, you create an instinct stuff. right like the more you do a thing you start understanding it without even thinking about it right so like that's a lot of the reason why we tend to learn this technical knowledge and stuff is so we can forget it and it become an instinct. So yeah, we, we know exactly why we're doing a certain thing, but we're not thinking about it. We just know that that's the thing that needs to happen because we've already learned why. It's not like we're constantly like, you know, thinking about things and dissecting things constantly. It becomes part of our natural yeah. instinct and we're able to just kind of move forward from that. And that, knowledge that technical knowledge that gear knowledge breeds uh ideas yeah at the same yeah. time like if you start for the first time if you figure out what does a softbox do and like you just like what is it why does a 50 mm -hmm. millimeter look different than an 18 like once you start learning that you're like oh like i should use the 50 when it's a serious moment i should use the 18 when there's a lot of like wide action and like i yeah. want to feel more immersed and i want it to look a little bit like a like a Beastie Boys music video or whatever. Like, <laughs> like there's... Yeah, like you can start gear. setting limits and that makes you more creative because you know yeah. what limits to set. Like, you know yeah. the rules so you know how to break them. Like, yeah, correctly. Exactly. Within the confines of something that makes you creative. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's cool. So it was a good experience overall. I mean, yeah, especially with those, was, those teachers. I, if someone were to sit and be like, hey, Mark, I'm 18. Mm -hmm. I graduated on Zoom. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man what I, and I want to do what you're doing and I think maybe people will disagree with me but I think that there is so much online and so much mm -hmm. at your fingertips either in your community like you know uh, virus aside music venues when which I'm very sure they will come back when they come back yeah there's always people looking for content no matter what level you are so a music venue, like if it's a uh, an opening act on a Thursday night that's headlining for club night, <laughs> disco mm -hmm. night, whatever, depending on the country, um, like shooting content for them, making a little 
one minute Instagram buff piece, even if it's like your first video ever, like there's, there's things you can do. I think a lot of people get hung up on, uh, what's in the future. What's my five year, what's my 10 year plan. Yeah. Especially like in any kind of artistic thing. And they're kind of overlooking what can I do now this second? Like what's yeah. in my reach to work on this weekend? Like what is, what does my aunt's company need? Uh, maybe your aunt owns this like pool installation company. Like is, mm -hmm. can I get my mom to reach out and say, Hey, like Mary wants to do some video work. Do you, are you guys doing in installations this weekend? Like I'm really, um, or like, you know, Tony wants to do uh, like some kind of video and, and his uncle says, well, you know what? I, uh, I got a new mattress, a really nice mattress and I'm about to unbox it. If you want to do an unboxing video with me, he goes, yeah, what kind of mattress did you get? A purple mattress. A purple mattress. A purple mattress. <laughs> a lot of aunts and uncles helping their nephews yeah. and nieces out right now. But I mean, my I'm so bad at freaking analogies like that. I just like, <laughs> no. kind of roll with it. No, that but, was good. Like the pool installation company, I was like, where did he come? Does, is that something he has? You know? <laughs> no, I just imagine there's some kind of aunt out yeah, there that for like sure. there's worked her butt there. off to own her own pool installation company. She works in the West. She's the only person that left Idaho yeah. and her family, but she made it out. She went to LA. People said it would be hard. And she's like, you know what? I am one of the best pool designers. And then she just made it happen. I feel like you have a lot of strong female influences in your life. Like your mom, the, the oh, way my, you've always yeah. described her is like kind of like a superhero, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, she, this is a little bit of a dark story, but I was living in Columbus. I got a call that my grandma wasn't doing well and that she fell down the steps because she uh, had a hard time breathing, kind of mm -hmm. lost her balance. So I came to my parents' house as soon as I could. I ended up getting there pretty late at night because uh, it happened pretty late. And so I was sleeping in my parents' guest room, ready to go to my grandma's house as soon as I woke up the next morning. Um, and I got a, I my door opened at like 4 a.m. and my dad sat on my bed and said, your grandma passed away a few minutes ago. And I was like, well, where's mom? That's the first thing I said, where's mm -hmm. mom? She goes, or my dad said, she's over at the house, my, your grandparents' house and she's taking care of it. And so my mom didn't shed a single tear until her work was done. And her work wow. being a registered nurse going over there, making sure the right people are called, making sure uh, the 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 body, which is a terrible thing to say yeah. about a, a relative, a, a grandma, someone as close as she was, but the my grandma, like where where is her body going at this point? And she just like has this switch where she just like turns into work mode and she can suppress her emotions and like yeah makes it like that's just a big influence for me because I've been I was really bad at dating for a long time. Um, I was bad at like you know, just hanging it up and being done with the relationship whenever I felt like it wasn't, you know, emotionally like dopamine hit or mm -hmm. anything like that anymore. And like, I can reflect now and be like, wow, you didn't carry any of your mom's traits over. Like you should yeah. work on that. So, well, I feel like you, I see you as very like goal oriented. Like whenever you have something in front of you, you kind of like make sure that like you kind of obsess about it. You know, you make sure that it gets done and that it, you know, it, it meets your own, even if it like meets somebody else's criteria, it's not, if it, you'll go back over it even after it's like something's been approved.
and stuff. That's how you know yeah. it's a, a good final piece. <laughs> like yeah. if I finish, let's say, Level of Concern music video, when mm-hmm. I finished it and delivered it, I watched it like five or six more times and really enjoyed it. And I've always done that. If yeah. I finish a video that I like, I'll go back and I'll watch it over and over. And that's like the litmus test of whether or not it's actually a good product. Yeah, I think a lot of people can could learn from that. That's that's good. Myself included. Like I'll I'll get to a point at things because I so somebody told me this. Uh, I was working with a producer um, very early on. This was like maybe seven years into producing. I just gotten to LA and I just started uh, you know college, and I started working with this producer who had done. Uh, uh, like he had worked with some of my like Switchfoot, like he had worked with some of my favorite people. And he said, because I was like obsessing over edits and stuff on this one song we were doing. And he was like, dude, art's never finished. It's only abandoned. And, you know, so for me, like I still to this day have a hard time getting to that place where I have to just like make myself be done, but you know when it's at the right place where at the end of it, once it's delivered and once it's back done, like you listen back to it or you watch it back and you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's really great. Even if it, you need to distance yourself for like a week or something like that. Yeah. I got, I got pretty excited because I went back earlier this year and I, I cut like a documentary reel and a music video reel separately. Oh yeah, for your website, right? Yeah, so I, the documentary reel, like I used a lot from this series called Sleepers that I did. Mm-hmm. It was a five yeah, for track for, for Purple Mattress <laughs> called Sleepers. No, the, the series was called Sleepers and I actually got caught off guard by the mattress thing. I, I'm kind of embarrassed I that I wasn't that witty. <laughs> I'm going to get a seasoned assist from this, dude, honestly. <laughs> hey, Chase, hey, this is Mr. Purple. Hey. Can you... Can you stop? We're not paying <laughs> for this. Purple. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I watched back this series called Sleepers just to finding some moments. And and like I was like, man, this was a really good time for me creatively. Yeah, dude. I mean, everything... That's something that always surprises me about you is like you'll... Uh, you're, you're very humble, but like in, in a way that's kind of like <laughs> a little destructive sometimes because I'll like look at something you do. I remember... What was it? It was chlorine when you were first showing me and there was like edits. Maybe it was like most of the way done and you you were working with a, an animation company or something for yeah, Ned. out of Australia. Yeah, yeah, which I definitely want to talk about that too. But you just kept going. I was like, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is perfect. And, I, and then you were like, any notes? So like, what, what can we do? Uh, and I was like, man, that this thing looks perfect. And you went back in and just kept going in it. Like you still saw stuff. Uh in that, which is, you know, kind of, kind of crazy to me, but you know what it's, what's funny is like, I think that's a, a real gift too, is to be able to see the things even when other people don't exactly see it. Yeah. I, I get a lot of that from Tyler, from Tyler Joseph, the level of concern video specifically, like we got on zoom and I screen shared my premiere project mm-hmm. and we walked through every frame. And it was exhilarating. It was so much fun because like I keep saying like dopamine hit, but that's like whenever you make an adjustment and it doesn't hit and you make another adjustment and it doesn't hit and then you make that third adjustment and it works. Yeah. Like Tyler will audibly go, ooh, <laughs> like one of those. <laughs> Only like way yeah. more cooler than the way that yeah, I did. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like 
yeah. he gets excited and it gets me excited. And to get excited about something you're working on, it's just, I don't know, it's great. And yeah. the destructive like habits that I have, as you called them, destructive, um, is it's really just because like I'm working for 21 Pilots. They're a ginormous band. Tyler has complete control over everything that leaves uh, the band's con- like content bubble and goes mm-hmm. out to the world. Like he sees all that stuff. He has say in that stuff, not just the music, like just everything visual too. And like I just feel like I always want to preface his involvement, whereas mm-hmm. people want to be like, okay, no, no, we get that. But like I do that to myself. Like I, I understand that, you know, I did, I pulled it off. It's good. Mm-hmm. But I don't want people to ever like diminish. Like if I were to, yeah. let's say theoretically, something that I do does win an award, a type of award that I have to go on stage. Like mm-hmm. Tyler and Josh just need to be there with me. You know, like they both have equal say, and and it's it's just I just want people to remember, like, because I'm really insecure about getting too much credit and like people saying like I've seen a lot of people say, oh, he's like the third member of the band, and I just don't really love that. Because it's, I am replaceable as much as people say, hey, you're doing good work. But I, I, I do good work for the band because I know what the band wants. And that's mm-hmm. something that can be taught to someone else. I just want to make sure I'm always an asset to Tyler yeah. and Josh and make sure they can always call on me to shoot something. And that's what I'm doing. That's where I get the praise. It's just like, hey, man, you're doing a good job of like being an asset for Tyler and Josh. I don't want people to be like, Dude, you're like, you're like their vision. Like you make the videos, like you decided mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go that far. I never want to go that far. Yeah. And it took a lot for me to allow them to gift me the the little diamond YouTube plaque for yeah. 10 million subs. <laughs> so Yeah. Because well, it's like, it's like, okay, I'm working for a pop star. Like I I know my lane. Thank you for this. But I also understand like what I'm working on and what I'm doing. Well, I think a, a reason that people see that and and say things like that too is because, you know, we don't see normally people start with a band and, you know, continue this long with a band. Like on tours, like I've I've seen a million people come and go constantly. So it's pretty unique to have, a, a, you know, people who are fundamental at the beginning be that far along throughout that aren't even actual members of the bands, you know? So, you know, it, I mean, it says something to, to, to you. I think that sometimes, you know, I, I totally get that too. And, you know, a, a lot of people probably don't, you know, think of, uh, uh, of band members being super active and involved in video, which 21 pilots definitely are, yeah. uh, in, in every aspect of, of the band. Uh, but I feel like you do, uh, a, a really good job at like capturing and portraying them. And like, I'm, I'm really curious, like what, what is the difference between when you're doing just like videography um, or, you know, capturing B-roll and stuff like that, like uh, doing like live um, recording and then also like content, uh, content and creative direction. Like what's, what's the main difference when you're doing that as, you know, real bear media, as opposed to just you capturing video on tour? Uh, well, the capturing video on tour is just like, okay, what's the story today? Yeah. Uh, we're at rehearsals in Pennsylvania. Josh fell off the riser. He cut his head open. 
Yeah. And I follow him to the hospital, get shots of him. Like, what's the story today? What yeah. what can we put some content out there? What's creative and what is a good balance between, hey, this is what we're up to, but also like, hey, there's still it's still worth going to the show. Like there's there's some yeah. stuff we're not showing you. Like there's there's that balance. There's what story is today. And then with the creative direction, content direction, a good example would be something like the never ending music video we just did that started off with the ARG with Jason Zada mm-hmm. and his team. Uh, Jason Zada, Jason Nickel, there's a whole bunch of guys and girls behind that whole team that really freaking nailed that whole ARG. Um, but there's something with something like that. I sit down, the label comes to me and says, Hey, uh, there's this gentleman by the name of Jason Zada. He did take this lollipop, which plugging for Jason, he's doing take this lollipop 2020 next month on face. Like Mm -hmm. basically, I don't know if you've done take this lollipop, but you go to take this lollipop.com. You sync it up with your Facebook and back then when it first premiered, it was like showing you like, wow, this is how much of your profile is online because he took the public content, like your location, your public photos, anything that was public on your profile mm-hmm. that can be asked accessed by anyone with even without an account, he turned that into a video of a guy at his computer stalking you. So if you log in as Chase Ryan, go to takethislollipop.com, it shows your profile picture. It has the... the uh, the guy like typing in, typing in your name, finding your profile, clicking on your address, routing to your address, and it ends with him in the car driving <laughs> to your town. So it's really creepy. Showing, like, so he's doing another one of those. So anyway, that's great. the label comes to me and says, hey, Jason Zada is around. I think it'd be cool to do an ARG uh, during this time, kind of between albums or, or around this new single or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the exact preface, but or how long he was uh, like waiting ARG to work f- with him in. ARG for people at home? Oh, what an actual ARG yeah, is? Yeah. Not, it's not an the alternate reality one. game. Mm-hmm. So what it is, it's basically like, there's a lot of them. One of the most famous ones is when Halo launched. They did one. Um, and it's basically just either a website or some kind of event that you can tune in. Mm-hmm. And it's a game where you get given clues and you have to break this code and use that to unlock other things. And usually there's like this main website hub and it says, hey, here's a clue, download this. You look at it, you decipher what it is, you work with the community, the hive mind figures it out, cracks the code, and unlocks the next piece of content. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a fun way to get people involved and in, in, in feeling like they're an, in charge of something. So mm-hmm. Jason wanted to do this ARG with 21 Pilots because he knew how in, insane the hive brain is for yeah. a, a, their fan base. I mean, the Discord is either the second or the third most popular music category Discord really? server on on the platform. Wow. Uh, I forget how many users they have. It's, uh, let me look. Uh, if you click on music on Discover, it's always at the top. Yeah, they have 64,243 members. Wow, yeah. And so that's the third. Yeah, right now that's the third most popular. Uh, second most popular being 70,000. So they're right on the tail. Mm. right on the heels of that one. So he knew that we had access to all these fans that wanted something. And so it started with a live stream and we were like, okay, Jason came to me and said, we want to start with a live stream. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, this is my pitch and this is what I have. And so me as a creative director, I was able to get on zoom and was able to meet with him and talk about 
the colors, the patterns 21 pilots are mm-hmm. usually using right now. Uh, he's like, well, I want to do this TV in the room. Like, what can we do? And I was like, well, here's the current logo. You can put that there. This content, like make sure inst- instead of a owl, let's use a vulture instead because vultures okay, were yeah. uh, a big part of the trench album cycle. Yeah. Uh, and so like feeding him little bits like that to be a true liaison between him and the lore and the band and, itself. Yeah. Uh, which is something management doesn't want to do because they are worried about numbers. They're worried about getting mm-hmm. album sales up. They're worried about all this other stuff, which is very, very important. And I think Chris Waltman, the band's manager, does an amazing job. He's one of the best managers I've ever had the the privilege of meeting. But someone like me gets to fly in underneath him and be like, okay, let's let's get the creative somewhere really good so the band has to check less. Yeah. And so it's it's almost like it's like putting the idea on ice and skidding it across the finish line quicker than just rolling it up a hill. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. let's get this streamlined. Let's get this oiled machine going. And that's what me and another one, Brandon Reich, who is serving as the art director and designer who does all of the merch design and builds all the asset Bible Bibles mm. for each album cycle at Brandon Reich. Um, he was a part of all those meetings too. And so he was like literally creating assets as we're talking on zoom in his a- uh, illustrator file sending them over via Dropbox or whatever, email, getting stuff over to them. So we just streamlined everything. And so as a creative director, there's that on a bigger project, but also, you know, AP Magazine comes to me and says, hey, we need a photo from around this time for this piece. And what do you have? And and what's the what's the uh, EPS file that you have for this logo and all this? Like what's print ready? Mm-hmm. And like, I have all those assets. And labels usually do that kind of stuff for bands, but we have been able to, as much as, um, personally, I like working with Feel by Ramen. Yeah. As much as I like having them involved, it's really cool to have them trust me with handling a, a vast majority of this stuff. And they can yeah. focus on like their side of it, which is just lifting the band up on a radio side, on the internet side, making sure clicks are right and YouTube clicks are right and ads are placed in the right spot. Like that kind of digital assets. While I can kind of like, I get to be the liaison, not only between like these third-party entities in the band, but also someone like, Josh Dunn can call on me because SJC wants to make a video for Guitar Center because they're going to start selling Josh's kit, mm-hmm. which is huge. And That's Brandon massive, Reich is yeah. the one that designed the wrap on and picked the right really uh, PMS code for for the print on the like all this stuff. Wow, like, yeah, this, this is, is like all creative internal continuity and like continuity yeah, so direction is the word. Makes, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. And also, like, I go in and whenever we're being active on Twitter during a tour, like mm-hmm. I'm curating our photographer's content, making the post. Tyler and Josh can are very comfortable with me being at the helm. There was a band that was signed to the same label who have since disbanded, but whenever the guys, Tyler and Josh, got first signed to the label, that other band had the label run their account and it was so obvious. It was like, yeah, go check out band name here, <laughs> new record, when it, was, it wasn't in oh, their voice man. at all because they didn't yeah. care. So like all that stuff, we want... Like the ba- the fans know how genuine all the content is. They know how much Tyler and Josh are involved with every step of the process. Mm-hmm. And we would be letting them down if we didn't continue that. Like if yeah. we said, hey, the f- fit the 22nd floor in New York made that tweet. And like even as small as that is, it's kind of like, well, damn. Like 
I okay. Well, I guess I'll buy that because it's twenty five percent off, and I saw the tweet. But like, yeah, you guys really didn't want to draft that up yourselves. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's that. Side yeah, there's of a it. disconnect. Yeah, yeah, if there's it's not. There's that disconnect if mm-hmm. we kind of take stuff out of our in house. Yeah, yeah, out of our voice exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a good time to go to our first segment. Happy New Gear. Uh, you've heard the podcast before, so it's basically this one is going to be the best camera at three price points. So it, it's not going to be a full kit, but it could be, you know, basic kit to, to get it up and running, but it's mostly just the camera. So the first one is the Weekend Warrior at $5,000. Second one, Part-Time Enthusiast at 10000 And third is the Full-Time Pro at 50000 So back in 2011, I had a little $2,000 camera, a little Sony something. Mm-hmm. It was uh, didn't have a detachable lens. It was one of those big boxier cameras. But anyway, wasn't really pumped about it. Getting excited about gear and like for the first time, like knowing what a lens did and all that in 2011, which isn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's sad because that was after I graduated college and I was still like figuring out what a lens actually did. So me and Tyler are meeting for fifth or sixth time, early 2011. We've already shot one video. Uh, I borrowed a DSLR from a friend for that shoot. It's the Jar of Hearts music video that we shot February 2nd, 2011. Mm-hmm. Shot those on DSLRs. And we're both pretty broke. I mean, he's working full-time. I'm working full-time. And and touring wasn't nearly as concrete. It was definitely Weekend mm-hmm. Warrior stuff. And we were, you know, messing around, staying up too late. And I was on the internet. And I f- was just like, I got this ad for a contest an online contest uh, for a prize of $10,000. And I showed it to Tyler and we're like, well, let's just do this. Like, can we do something? And he happened to be going to Nashville for some kind of either meeting or something. And the place that I was working at full time was like halfway to Cincinnati from Columbus. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I've got this space where I'm working full time. It was like an hour and a half commute. So it was terrible. But I was like, well, if you're on your way to Nashville, let me let's stop there and try to shoot this something, this video contest, and just submit it and see how it works. And mm-hmm. I don't remember second guessing. I don't remember like how I got to the contest, but we were just like, let's just do it. Yeah. And if we win, we'll just split it down the middle. And so we did this thing uh where we shot this whole setup and Tyler did this like spoken word thing uh, about like internet safety video type thing about like you know, being kind online and not like being a troll. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this whole thing and I shot this whole thing. I did some like kinetic text stuff and we submitted it and we ended up winning $10,000. Yeah. So we split it down the middle. He spent $5,000 on legal stuff for 21 pilots because it was at that point where mm. LLC, like covering my That's butt, smart. my ability, yeah. all that stuff. And then I was like, I'm just going to buy a camera. And so I bought a Canon 7D. Oh, yeah, and yeah. So at 2,599, you can get a Canon 5D Mark IV body off BH. And so that Canon series of DSLRs are close to my heart. They might Yeah, that's not your be first leading. ecosystem yeah. was, was Canon because you, you shot on a Sony before. Yeah, it that, was like that. But this was, is your first real, this real is my first getting like, into hey, the ecosystem. I'm going to get trying. something yeah. that no one else influenced me. I'm going to get something off like just gut feeling and what I mm-hmm. played with. And so. Yeah, so like a little DSLR kit. So 
I, I actually only got, there's like a kit lens that was like a 35 to 70 maybe. And then I bought a 50, which I used a lot of the 50, which was in hindsight, way too tight. Yeah. Um, you know, at this time I didn't have ND filters. So I was like compensating bright light with shutter speed. So everything looked super digital, which if you watch the regional at best series, that was all shot on a 7D and every exterior shot was way too high shutter speed. <laughs> and so I've learned my lesson since that was 2011. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> Still learning. Um, so yeah, so I think a Canon 5D Mark IV is, an, I mean, it handles audio really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no internal ND filters, which you won't really get at this price point. Yeah. Uh, people really love the A7, uh, A, Sony A7S S, III, yeah. which is right around that same thing. That's got way more cinematic mm-hmm. look. But I'm just going based off my experience and my past because I've never shot on the seven or the the A7S yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a little throw and go DSLR. I've always liked the Canons. I also do like the their Panasonic did the Lumix S1, which is actually yeah. the webcam I'm u- the camera I'm using right now as my webcam. Uh, on oh really? Zoom. Yeah. See that? Yeah. Crystal clear four two two ten bit. Yeah. I'm sending you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that no one is is going to be able to no see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to so, get that set up. Yeah, that's nice. It's I control all the exposure stuff. Yeah, that's mm. at that point like a little DSLR, whether it be the Sony or the Canon. Like just having something that gives you full video control, where you start learning like crap. Like I should put an ND filter on instead of cranking up my shutter speed. Or mm-hmm. wow, I'm really hard. It's I'm having a hard time on this fifty at one two during a concert because nothing's in focus. Like. When you bump that up to 2.8 and sacrifice a little bit of ISO, like that, when you start learning that kind of stuff on a fully manual setup is when you start falling in love with the gear side of film. Yeah, because even like little incremental gains help so yep. much. Yeah. All right, so that's that's your weekend warrior. Uh, what about the part-time enthusiast, $10,000? When I started touring, I wanted to continue my relationship with Canon, and so I ended up working my way up to a 5D, or no, sorry, a C300 Mark II. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a monster of a camera. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, people swore by it or the C200 for that price point. Um, but I noticed how heavy my rig was getting. Yeah. And because of that, I subconsciously sh- started shooting less. Um, mm. And I got to a point where my narratives were really hard to construct and post because I had far less footage because I was usually like resting my arms and being lazy about it. And so I started experimenting with GoPro and it wasn't looking as good and Mm -hmm. going back to DSLR, but I felt like I didn't have the bandwidth to, or the information there enough to, you know, monitor audio as good as I wanted or as good as the, the band kind of required. And I didn't have the capabilities of higher frame rates at incredible quality or like even 422, um, 10 bit stuff. Uh, at the time. And so I heard about the Panasonic Eva one. It is a 5.7 K super 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read that off the website, <laughs> uh, but it's Panasonic's poke into the industry around that. C the C 200 has kind of been dominating. Yeah. Uh, and it's just way more lighter than the C 300 Mark two. And I was very, it's got built in ND filters, which is something I needed being like outdoor for interviews with fans. Yeah. Like being able to have, you know, a 2.8 uh, f-stop and and not have to crank the shutter speed or anything like that. Uh, it also does, you know, a crop sensor, 120 frames per second. 
which is great for live moments during the show, which it, it handles low light okay. Yeah. Like it's 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 supposed to be really good, but I I mean I still tweaking with that stuff and still making it good. But mm-hmm. what I got was a lighter rig that was more compact that made me shoot more. And so I'm okay with it. I think it's I mean, I I know a lot of uh cinema nerds that are like like kind of turning their nose up at this camera. I don't think Panasonic yeah. has a good reputation at this price point yet. Mm. But I really like this camera. There's a little bit funky stuff with the first iteration of this line. Like, I don't know, I think 75 to 80. I'm throwing this number out there, but based off what I've heard online, because I'm part of a Panasonic group on Facebook, uh, 75 to 80% of the users have an issue with the the handle getting stuck. And not Getting be able stuck? to rotate. Yeah. Oh, so the, okay. So yeah. if you want to, if you're shooting at chest level, and you want to go usually down. the handle, the right handle, the actual, uh, like where you hit record and all that, mm-hmm. is usually at 90 degrees. But if you like uh, hold it up higher, you want to tilt it counterclockwise. And if you shoot lower, you're going to rotate it clockwise. Mm-hmm. And that motion is completely broken. Oh man! On most of the the releases, at least of the first gen, so I'm excited to see what Panasonic brings in the uh, the, Eva Two. There's no announce there, at least that I can see. Yeah, so I have that camera still. I actually shoot uh, with that camera. I've been helping Debbie along with Josh for Talking Heads and then also auditions. Mm -hmm. Debbie's been uh, doing a few here, and they're not a ton Mm because you know she doesn't have to audition too much anymore. Yeah, people people just want to work with her, but yeah. when she does have to put <laughs> yeah, something on tape, mm-hmm. uh, she'll come over and we'll throw up a little backdrop. I'll throw up a a softbox and we'll record something on that Panasonic, and I usually send over like a like a two and a half k something. Yeah, I, with Talking Heads, I imagine it's a lot easier to do because that's the thing that I think about the most on like tour video is like how do you control sound? How do you control lighting on that? Because it's not it it's it's not about you it's, you know like in a in a controlled like talking heads environment you can c- completely shut out all natural light completely control the light that you bring you can deaden the room around you and and get really really in depth with um with miking uh how do you how do you kind of like i know we're still in this we're still in the happy new gear segment but like is that a little easier to do on those than in tour video? Like, how do you deal with that? That's what's good about this price point is because these cameras in this price range are built to look really good, but mm-hmm. also be documentary friendly. Meaning, oh, okay. throw up the ISO if you want. You might get a little grain, but it's not going to be terrible. Uh, go outside, throw on the ND filters, quick uh, change of the white balance, all that stuff. And that's why I kind of went in this price range uh, because anything else... It just requires too much, too many people for a chaotic environment. Like I yeah. want to be able to film Josh as we're driving from the hotel to the airport in Sydney, Australia, because we have to go to Brisbane. Like yeah. I, I, I want to be able to film during those moments. And if I have something that's way big and it takes like a focus puller and all that, you're losing those little sweet moments. Mm. And so this price point gets you that kind of quality uh, while still being able to run and gun. Um Awesome. And it also gets to a point where you just like when you're running and gunning and it's a really good story moment, but it's not exposed properly and you try to save it as much as you can in post. You got to remember that's just the story 
if it helps the story, story wins it's just out. worth yeah. it. The story wins out exactly. Mm-hmm. So um then that's something that made me go to the the Eva Eva one as well because it's the light made me the the actual weight, the lightness of the weight yeah. made me want to keep shooting, made me not get exhausted. Uh and it gave me more options in the editing suite. That's awesome. Okay, so let's go to the full-time pro at 50000 I only flirt with this price point as a rental. Uh, yeah. Never, never buy because really this is just, if you're a full-time DP and that's what you want to do, this is mm-hmm. the route to go. Uh, just so you don't have to, over time, it'll pay for itself. Because yeah. also, if you end up buying something at this price that so you know how to work, you can also rent that out. Um, yeah, a lot you of can people out in Yeah. Los mm-hmm. Angeles, um, you're shooting like most of the time. If it's like a lower budget thing, you can ask for a favor from a friend. You pay them a slightly discounted rental price without being, you know, disrespectful. Yeah. Gouging, yeah. And you get that out there. So for this, I love, love, love the Aria Alexa Mini. Okay. Uh, the yeah, body yeah. itself, thirty six thousand. Uh, according to Red Shark News, I don't know when this article is published, but. That camera is just about everything you need to have that music video cinema vibe. It's used all the time. What's the weight on that? I mean, just the body itself is one thing. Yeah. But, but usually when you you're slapping it. lenses on there that are either vintage. Like I love doing an anamorphic vintage lens on an uh, Alexa Mini. Yeah. Um, okay. I shot a video recently. I mean... The Joker movie was shot on that. The Aladdin live action Knives Out film. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that came out that was a uh, last film. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, that came, that was shot like so many. I mean, there's so many credits. Uh, Rocket Man. Uh, I'm just looking. Okay, uh, yeah. Us. Did it Jordan say Peele. how much it, it it is like in weight? Because I'm thinking of just like, you know, things like, you know, Chris and I talked about the Komodo on yeah. that that episode. And that's like two pounds, you know? Like, that's like, I mean, kitted out, it's a different thing entirely as the, the Alexa Mini is. But, um, you know, I think, you know, like you were just saying, like, it, the weight really, really does matter. And, like, at the end of the day... It's pretty light. I mean, yeah, I don't have light. an exact number here because mm-hmm. I didn't prep for this at all I guess <laughs> uh, but no yeah I mean it's it's not terrible it's not going to yeah. break your back I mean we're not in the film age anymore so mm-hmm. it's not it's pretty crazy what you can get away with size yeah. wise but you know I don't think I'd ever take one on tour mm-hmm. I don't think I think that'd be way too cumbersome um, but for music videos would, yeah for music videos it's kind of a staple for yeah. me, at least, like like mm-hmm. I said, anamorphic, like some antique lenses on there. Always like some nice primes or whatever. Um, jet, just, just it just looks great, and you have so much information that you can just tweak it and color grade it. And if you get a good colorist on board, um, you can do anything. You just the sky's the limit with that camera, and it's just it's so nice. It's why it's the staple industry. Awesome, Ari Alexa Mini. Well, that was Happy New Year. Great job, dude. Yeah, um, I mean, I, th- those I, are great options. Yeah, I mean, it just. I also wanted to when I picked those three, it was I mm-hmm. kind of wanted them to line up with my own personal story, and I think that's yeah. 
you know, I was surprised when you were talking about the, um, like matching the lenses. Cause I know that you've shot, um, you've shot film before, right? You've shot super eight quite often. Um, has it been a second since you've done that? Are you now mixing and kind of like doing that on the lens side, uh, or on like, you know, after effects side? My time right now is spent and just, I think it's just right now is a good time to go back to storytelling. And it's, there's a lot of different things that go into that. I don't think there's like a a direct focus right Mm -hmm. now. I did love super eight. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a a fun, fun time. I was on tour. I decided, you know what? I want to try super eight. I found Pro 8mm in Burbank, ordered a camera because they refurbished the Canon 514. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought that. They sent me film with it. It's $98 for every two and a half minutes-ish at 24 frames, and that includes processing. And they'll give you a log file, meaning that you can control the color. And I shot two tours in Europe uh, with that. It was two festival runs. Actually, one might have been South America. I'm, I'm starting to forget. Mm-hmm. But getting that footage back and seeing it wasn't just black and wasted was such an exhilarating moment. Yeah. It's really cool because there's there's an auto exposure mechanic to it, but I kind of use that to dial in the F-stop because it's like a controlled shutter speed. It's a The only thing you can do is open and close the iris. And um, I focused on what that was because the white balance is actually on the film stock. So you throw in your daylight... That has its controlled ISO uh, based off the film, and then you, I kind of use the auto iris to figure out where the highlights were, and mm-hmm. then I turned it on manual mode, locked in that that f stop, and then tried to like capture some very interesting stuff. Like once you zoomed in on that that Canon yeah. Super 8 camera, it has amazing depth of field. It was just like it made me fall in love with shooting video all over again, and that was coming at the end of a really long run of shows Mm -hmm. Uh, so i was excited to explore something to get me you know inspired again yeah yeah but it's all it's all about the story so is that for you now like if you do go back to 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 shooting on film is that just a story-based thing for you is that is that only the the decision is is this going to Um, serve the story or is it just like i need to feel the inspiration and the creativity of finding myself in these limits. One of my favorite moments, and maybe I'm just not answering your question. No, 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 no. Please, (laughs) please, go ahead. (laughs) One of my favorite moments is lying in bed on my mattress. Yeah. And there's only one mattress I could... (laughs) 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 So, with level of concern, I mean, it's just like listening to that song and writing down ideas, Mm -hmm. listening to a track that someone wants me to write on, writing down ideas, and then like just being open to whether it be a music video and working with a cinematographer like Tim Toda, uh, who's an LA-based cinematographer I've been working with. He does a lot of stuff uh, with Mr. Wise as well. But like letting them know, like preparing, let's let's talk about music videos specifically. Yeah, yeah. Have a cinematographer, producer, all these compo- key components, colorist. I usually edit myself. Um but presenting them with the right information to make sure the story never gets lost. 
I guess, is first and foremost the best. And then letting those people in their different positions uh, feed in to the streamlining as well. Mm-hmm. And so much like I create a direct for a third-party entity, I want to switch roles and prepare whoever I'm working with the opportunity to to feed into the streamline as well. So yeah, whether, I mean, lenses sometimes, is it sometimes shooting film on my own, is it? But I don't know, man. I, I, I think this is a weird year to kind of really feed into what's getting me going yeah. from what I usually do. Because production's at an all-time low, you know? So I'm curious, then, how do you start storyboarding? Like, if you say you get a thing, is that what you do? You just, like, listen to the song, or you you look at the project in a broad scope, and then you see, what do I need? What people do I need to hire? What, like, what what kit am I going to to use for this? How do, how do you do that? And then actually storyboard what ends up being the final project. So I, I usually take the song and I spend a day with it, whether mm-hmm. it be usually drive, driving is the best, but I haven't been doing mm-hmm. a lot of driving. So it's like yeah. wake up, cup, cup of coffee, put on the song, listen to it like six or seven times, start jotting down ideas that are very vague. Um, I feel like there's a responsibility of someone that's trying to write a treatment to be a catch-all throughout the week whenever you're not working. Mm-hmm. And and remembering to stimulate creativity and get inspired without like having a pinpointed pinpointed input or end moment without having a pinpointed end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so like watching movies, watching film for me, like watching a new streamer figure out how they like look at their overlays, look what they're doing, like all this different stuff that like listening to new music, like getting inspired to like flex that creative muscle, making sure that's always a part of your life. So when you do sit down with a new track, you can kind of really listen to it and it can trigger that, that spasm of creativity that, that you can't really call on at a, in, at a drop of a hat, you know? Yeah. So you listen to a song, let it speak. I look over the lyrics and then one of the first things I do to get the ideas down on paper is to break down the song by time code. So zero, 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 zero. So zero minutes, zero seconds through, like I'll type in zero, zero, colon, zero, zero, dash, zero, zero, colon, zero, five. Yeah. I'll say intro. And then I'll type out from black, we fade up to a guy walking into his bedroom. And then I'll do zero, zero, colon, zero, five, dash, zero zero colon three two verse one and i'll type in the man sheds his jacket and moves to his purple mattress and sits down (laughs) and like so (gasps) i'll break it down wow second by section by section and like pre-chorus chorus verse two pre-chorus chorus bridge yeah chorus outro like i'll break it down and say what action needs to happen during this segment yeah by time code that's yeah by time code specifically so So like a pre-spotting session someone like mandy maloney that works at atlantic who's the video commissioner Mm -hmm. that oversees all the music videos that work for atlantic offices um she can look at my pdf and Mm -hmm. say okay first five seconds this is happening she plays the song back 
and she can keep up with the story. And visualize it. And, and visualize it. And so yeah. before I send it to Mandy, who's one of my favorite people at Atlantic Records, or Electra, she works for Electra. There's like a weird kind of merging, shifting thing that I didn't really pay attention to. <laughs> but her, her email is like Electra. I'm not going to say exactly what her email address is. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to sign her up. purplemattresses.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I didn't want to sign her up for purple news alert. So before I send it to Mandy, I will take my, my, uh, dot doc and I'll copy that like first section. I'll throw it in a Photoshop and I'll, Mm. I'll make a nice little like header and then I'll put down what's happening. And then like, I'll put, you know, a fourth of my treatment, which is, this is becoming the treatment. Mm-hmm. A fourth of that in the middle of a 16 by 9 PDF like page, and I'll sprinkle in around that visual inspiration for that section. So if we're going back to the idea of the guy walking into his bedroom, I will have example if I pulled from Google of how I want it to be lit. So is it is it a setting sun coming in? Is he coming home from work? Mm-hmm. Is it is he coming home from a night shift? Is it moonlight pouring in? Is it the morning sun? All this stuff. Kind of, and then like, what's he wearing? Is it suit and tie? Is it shorts and t-shirt? Like, what? What is those the different elements? And so you can kind of glance around the page, and it really immerses. Immerse you can glance around the page, and it really emerges you into what I wrote. And then you slide to go to slide two, page two of the PDF, and it's the next uh, fourth of mm-hmm. the narrative. And now we're looking at the ver- uh, pre-chorus, the chorus. What's like the performance thing? What's the lighting there? And so you have this PDF that's uh, like a representation of the entire music video from front to back. And the more information wow. you have in that, the more likely you can get the check off on the you know fifty thousand dollar budget, budget or yeah. whatever. Uh, so as long as the label has all the pieces, the more impressed then, you can you can make them. Yeah, or the more comfortable. Like you want the comf- yeah, comfortable. Yeah, you want them to feel like the their project like that you already know what what the ending is going to be though i'm i'm sure you're probably even with the shots like do you you probably do you do you have things that come up day of do you ever change shot lists around or like change uh you know like settings or filters or stuff yeah one of my favorite example examples of that is the shining that scene where jack is locked in the uh food storage Mm-hmm. And the camera's up underneath his chin from the floor. There's a nice clip that Stanley Kubrick's wife or daughter. Shoot. I'm not a film nerd. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick is like, he's holding his little director eyeglass thing. Mm-hmm. He's like looking at the shot and then he kind of lays down and he thinks about like, what if I shoot it from here? And that's what they ended up using. So if you, as much as it's nice to have the storyboard, which the storyboard mm-hmm. section, I kind of didn't let you know, but that kind of comes after the treatment gets approved. Because yeah. you don't want to sit there and do doodles of stick, even if it's stick figures. Yeah. You don't want, that's one of the last things you want to do mm-hmm. because you want to make sure the narrative is clear uh, and approved. Yeah. And so the storyboard's really just like an, to get the cinematographer to know like what kind of setups and lenses are going to work for each thing. Yeah. And there's production companies that have like proper storyboard artists uh, Andrew Donahoe, who directed a majority of the Trench uh, music videos, Nico the Niners, Jumpsuit, Levitate. Mm-hmm. Um, like he has an actual storyboard artist that he works with that uh, I don't know their name. It's escaping me, but 
they'll sit there and they'll draw his ideas and he'll sit with them. And it's like a really clear uh, representation of the film, mm-hmm. of the final product. So um, as much as that's nice to have and as much as it's cool to have those pieces, like when you go on set, you got to let the actor speak to you. you got to let the room speak to you. And if yeah. you find yourself having extra time, like if the AD isn't like breathing down your neck, telling you to move on, Mm-hmm. It's nice to get those alternative angles. Like if if the set deck put a window here that you weren't expecting in your storyboard, if you have time to shoot through that window as an extra shot, like it's so nice to be able to just like really see that. And then like your cinematographer, he or she might be like, hey, like this would be a really cool insert. Do you, let's grab it real quick. And like letting those people make decisions like that. And um, when you whenever music videos usually you have like maybe two weeks of pre-pro if you're really lucky, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more, but most of the time they're done. Pre-pro is like a week or two. You shoot for one, maybe two days if the budget's right. And then you turn around as quick as possible. So if you don't let the set kind of speak to you without sounding like a guru, yeah. if you don't let it like kind of like, if you don't really see what you're doing and really capture that moment and capture what the story needs and you're really missing out. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of it happens on set too. That's not awesome. too much. Like if you like, yeah, I think you could easily get into that point, like almost like a studio day. Like there is days where you just want to have the artist kind of lay down some scratch guitar riffs or whatever, mm-hmm. just to build off that. Like if it's a session, but most of the time it's really nice having those demos and going in and, yeah. and like just getting like that guitar to sound the right way. But also yeah. If you unplug the guitar on accident before putting it on standby and it clicks or something, but it sounds really nice, like you still want to use that little bit of a click maybe at the beginning of the song uh, and let that ring out and like play. Like there's the element of play in the studio. Like if the mic falls over, but you're like, wow, that actually sounded really cool even though we broke our $6,000 mic. Yeah. The first time I did that, like in a in a very super, super weird way, it was like I was recording a vocalist and I was just just finished with a, a guitar session where there was it was a heavier song. There was a lot of fuzz. There was a lot of um, weirder effects on it, like some weird modulation effects. And then we used the Pog too. So it was like a, a synthesizer and we had a low and a high octave. And uh, the the song that the vocalist was singing, I decided to just, while I was there, I'm just going to patch this in. So I patched in my pedal board and through, so I was having a duplicate of the dry vocal and the vocal going through the pedal board, going through a fuzz and going through a pog and going through like a chorus effect as well and just blend, blended it in. And like when you leave, but you know what what's... I though I didn't expect that I had everything for that session planned out ahead of time. I already knew what yeah. mic and pre I was going to use for him. Exactly. I already knew his compression because I had worked with him before. I know what his voice sounds like on different mics. I always do a thing where I test it out and make sure. But to your point, when you schedule everything out, when you plan everything out and you are people think that you're taking the creativity out of it, but what you're really doing is leaving room for surprises. You know, you're leaving room to be able to be surprised and like to 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 have, okay, now I know for sure I have the safety of what this could be. Now let me see what can this really be. 
after that, yeah. you know? That's great. Yeah, I, I that's what's that's what makes me like kind of fight for that second day on set. We shot fairly local in one day and we ended up scrapping a whole section, like a whole narrative that happened when the song was over mm-hmm. because we got rushed through it. Really? Like my AD was really good and did her job in the sense where she like made sure that we were going to be out on time because on time, every yeah. every 10 minutes you go over, it's like another, you know, X amount of money mm-hmm. uh, to rent the studio. And so we like rushed through it and decided, you know what, this wasn't right. So, but if we had two days, that fairly local music video probably would have been completely different. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, that was my first time working with a full crew mm-hmm. in a different city. Uh, a, a proper like DP and all that. So how many people were on the crew for that one? Like 25, 30. It was yeah. crazy. That, yeah, that's a lot. Like most people nowadays, I, when you think I about a crew, it's actually a skeleton crew. We're like, oh yeah, we've got budget for a crew. There's five people, you know, it's <laughs> just yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that was the top of the blurry face album cycle. So like the label was like, okay, you guys proved us with Vessel. You saw what mm-hmm. you can do. So let's, here's, here's 35 or it might've been like 40,000. Mm-hmm. for a music video and I wrote it and if we had two days I feel like it would have left room for that creativity like you said yeah yeah I it's always better to have more time but not too much time you know I think you can work yourself into or you can talk yourself into completely changing something when there's too much time it's a weird thing finding out what is enough time to to be creative with it and let it develop and be what it it wants to be yeah uh, but yeah it's a weird thing having that finding the the perfect amount of time for for what you're doing and as a pretty much now i think a lot of people can say part-time director <laughs> right now but as a part-time <laughs> director i'm also working on my personality on set like as much as mm-hmm. i want to be genuine sometimes my my version of genuine is like joking around a little too much and being a little too aggressive. And I think mm-hmm. I often come off, come across as like a, a mean person when I'm, I'm trying to be like playful. Mm-hmm. And so like there's a responsibility there on set to be very professional, know what's going on. And also like still getting, lifting people up for sure. Yeah. And joking around when it's when a, like correctly. Mm-hmm. And especially like if you have a returning crew, that's fun. But yeah, if you kind of work on that aspect of it and like kind of like lead by example with the vibe of what the set's going to be like, you're going to have more room for creativity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That that makes sense. I mean, if you work with you're working with the same people and they they know you joking around like that is, uh, you know, that's a normal environment for them. But pe- for people who don't know you, that's got to be kind of like, especially when you have a mixed cast, like you have a couple people that you're, you've always worked with and then you have some new people that you don't know very well. Especially that's that's on you to, to set the tone of what the entire set looks like, you know? It's yeah. kind of on you as the the director to set that tone of, of how, you know, how strict or how professional it is or how, you know, comfortable it is that that it's, vibe is on you. It's really fun to find that balance between professionalism and, and friendship. Yeah. Um, I think if you do it wrong, you come off, like I said, mean, like I, mm-hmm. in my earlier days of learning how to balance this, I come across mean and even like on our discord that you're a part of, like yeah. some people like 
kind of check me on being a little bit too much of a bully when in actuality I'm just trying to show them how much I love them and like, yeah. joke around with them. But yeah. on set, it's just like you want to preface um, like, hey, I respect you mm-hmm. and I think you're great and I, I'm glad that you're here. But I also want to have a silly time and I and I yeah I want to have fun and remember why this is fun. But I I want to respect you and I and I want to I want you to have a good time and I want to make sure you're taken care of and I want mm-hmm. you to feel respected. Yeah. Um, and it's really we're at a time where that's people are are demanding that. I mean, as there was a TV show host that lost their gig because of toxic work environments and yeah and stuff like that. So it's really nice to see the turnaround and and seeing that yeah. that's like the standard because you know on tour you're used to just being nice to each other and like trying mm-hmm. to have a good time and and then thankfully that's becoming the standard and i know it's we're, we got a long ways to go but it's cool to see where we've come from yeah it's great i feel like people have a lot more time now to kind of self-reflect and and see in a vacuum how you know like their work relationships and regular relationships like affect you know everything in, around them in their environment and in the workplace it's it's kind of like a pretty cool you know one of the only few benefits of our our new uh our new world right now yeah and the music industry specifically needs to be great and mm-hmm. greater and it's I agree. it's got, like i said long ways to go but mm-hmm. i like to strides. make sure my my set feels very comfortable and that everyone feels respected and and there's room for that creativity, like you said. There, there. We need mm-hmm. to find that creativity and just have fun with it, even though there is a length, a lengthy checklist to get completed. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to our second segment. What's in the bag? So basically, this is you have to work out of a backpack for the next year. You're on tour. Uh, what are the top five things you put in that bag, and why did you choose them? And the small things like cables and hard drives are already. Included, unless you know, we'll talk. We'll go in more in depth than hard drives later. But yeah, yeah, I can talk about hard drives for a while. Yeah. Um. So right now, I would grab that that Panasonic Evil One for sure. The Evil One. Um. That's the that's the first and foremost, and that's going to be including its its batteries and memory and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to have a 24 to 70 and an 18 to 35. So it gives me two really nice options. Those are both Sigma glasses. Um, mm. Sigma glass is so nice. Yeah, it's nice. They're two art series lenses. Uh, those kind of just give me my versatility that I need. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I had more room, I would bring more. But those, yeah. I mean, I, I swear by Do you ever use any whenever, Prime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I swear yeah. by Primes whenever it's like a controlled environment. Mm. But having a zoom function, like an 18 to 35 yeah. in a traveling setup, like walking through the airport, going backstage, walking to stage, like having the 18 and then like kind of zooming in for a little bit of inserts if I need it. Yeah. Then that's really nice to not have to switch lenses. And then the yeah. 24 to 70 or 24 to 105, depending on which lens it is. 24 mm-hmm. to 105 is really nice for live. It's kind of a, sometimes they're only an F4 though. I think all the time they're only an F4. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of limiting. So that's why I did 24 to 70 because you can get a 2.8 out of that. Um, meaning that like you can open up that iris and not have to sacrifice so much noise or sacrifice your image with noise. Yeah. 
Um, so, but the 105 is nice because you can like kind of really get those details from being in the pit of shooting like a really compressed shot through the fan's arms, you know, Josh in the, in the uh, background of your shot and focus with these slow motion arms in the foreground, really compressed at 105 looks nice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just stand on B Sage just to shoot through the crowd like that um, towards the end of the night after I have this really intense rule about me and Brad Heaton, who's the photographer yeah. right now, uh, whoever I'm working with, like we can't reveal a section of the room until Tyler and Josh have exhausted it. So oh, okay. I don't go on stage until Tyler and Josh have introduced themselves as a two piece mm. to whoever might be showing up for the first time. I don't stand on top of B stage until it's been exhausted. Yeah. Um, I don't go like, I don't like go down in the pit until all the photographers are out for the first two or three, because mm-hmm. I don't want to like, I want that to be established that that's the photographer bit first. Like, it sounds silly, but like I think if you keep that in mind and try to, be, uh, as a shooter, you kind of let the artist still have their moments. There were some times where I will look back at my footage I got in 2011, 2012, and it's kind of cringy of like how close I was to Tyler and on stage proximity wise and like the stuff I revealed. Mm-hmm. Just too much. Um, so, so working the way that we do now is, is really nice to have the 105, even if it's an F4, to get that zoom up without necessarily being distracting. Um, and then that camera setup has a shotgun mic, but I always, always, always defer to external audio when possible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so any kind of zoom, you know, I use the H4N for a long time. But okay, that's super yeah. outdated at this point. Yeah. Some kind of internal recording. Um, lav mics directly putting into that external recording. As as much as you s- like spend on like ten thousand dollar range camera, your shotgun onboard mic's only gonna do so much yeah. in, in a, a controlled environment. Um, so even if you worst case scenario, if you can't rec- afford external audio running a 50 foot XLR cable on a boom <laughs> mic over top of the, the actor is always going to be nice. Yeah. Always going to be way better getting that mic right up in there, mm-hmm. right up in there. Right, right up there. Um, so with a lot of mic, you know, if it's rehearsals, mm-hmm. I usually will throw one on Tyler, one on Josh. I have these really nice ones right here. Uh, these are Olympus. These are outdated too. the DM six twenties. They, they don't make them anymore, but this one's actually labeled Tyler. Oh, okay. You can see it because, yeah. but these record internally and only have to do an eighth inch in. Okay, on cool. One side. And so, so, so I can hit it. record, yeah. lock it, throw it in his pocket. Whoa, maybe I'm a lyricist. <laughs> so I hit record and Dude. lock it, throw it in his pocket. Um, and Man, then he walks we need around. to be following you around with a camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a genius. Yeah. Um, so if he's recording this, there's definitely some downfalls to this recorder, this mm-hmm. uh, DM620. There's no monitoring, so you yes. kind of just put it on, you have to, on faith auto settings and just yeah. like pray that it stay that it doesn't works. get disconnected. So I put yeah. a piece of gaffer tape over top of the eighth inch in to make sure it's not getting disconnected. Smart, um, yeah. And then it has a lock that I tape down as well on the mm-hmm. side, a hold option. So once you do that, it's pretty okay. Uh, battery life's really long, but professionally speaking, like I like, I don't have it with me in front of me cause it's all packed up cause I'm not on tour right now, but mm-hmm. I have some transmitters and receivers that mount to the camera. That's XLR that goes straight into 
uh, record straight to the camera if I don't have external recorder. Yeah. That's like the next best option outside of having external If you recorder. don't have a recorder, yeah. I mean, if think about it, like if you have something dedicated, like, hey, I am the recorder, I have to record audio and that's it. It's going to sound way better than, hey, I'm the camera, I'm recording video and audio at the same yes. time. Yeah, So uh, a, a dedicated recorder, I mean, does so much more. Plus you have... The ability to like, especially once you get in, even on the lower end side of like the Zoom stuff. Well, I guess it would be the higher end side of Zoom stuff, but lower end compared to things like the sound devices, um, or the even like the mix pre series of the sound devices. You have um, you know thirty two bit recordings, and you have like uh, safety takes, so it records you know multiple versions of the audio at yes. a lower gain setting, like a pad yes. on it, which is invaluable when you have something something happens out of nowhere and there's peaking and you can't recover that distortion like you can only repair so much in the audio and being able to have even just those small features and a lot better of audio to digital converters better preamps stuff like that but also having control of different channels as opposed to just kind of you know running it all into the camera and 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 hoping for the best um a lot of the time, you know, the noise floor on camera alone, like you just have to do so much processing. On so posts, much processing. So. And it's so yeah. noisy. It's always yeah. so noisy. It's always like very there's noisy. there's no Christmas unless you get the mic right on the mouth. Like mm-hmm. if you yeah. if I'm interviewing Tyler and Josh and they just walk off stage, I can't like go up and mic them and then like they're like, Hold on, freeze and then mic them up and hit yeah. record and so there's obviously <laughs> yeah. a need to have that onboard audio just for atmosphere's sake. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, if you're watching it and Tyler starts talking to Josh, like, the audience wants to hear that, and so you just boost it up and deal with the the, the, the noise. The noise, yeah, and try and match but it. But if they, if I sit down, if I go into Josh's dressing room and we're, like, three hours away from showtime, I can put a mic on him and, like, yeah. he can walk to the stage and check his drums and carry that mic, and he always will. And so... Did you uh, did you put a mic on him when he cut his head, like, in the hospital and stuff like that? Were you no. able to do that? Actually, that, that episode was pretty hectic. That episode specifically, I faked all of the radio. Like really, yeah. So I, we weren't rolling when it happened. Really, and wow. so the next day at rehearsals, I put an eighth-inch cable into my walkie-talkie and yeah. had our security guy. I was like, "Hey, go to channel sixteen. We're not using it, uh, or twelve, or whatever." And uh, mm-hmm. Talking to him, be like, and kind of tell me what you would say if if you were reporting an accident like that. Yeah. And so he kind of did a he did a little bit of acting, and so I just <laughs> flew that in underneath the footage of like slow mo of Tyler like at rehearsal, and then I sent my at the time I had two camera ops because it was rehearsal, so I knew I needed mm-hmm. some help because we wanted to capture all of rehearsal, uh, and so I sent John Flanagan in there, and he just recorded all that B roll stuff that I was able to like kind of use the radio as like the the underneath with a little bit of music and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. I don't know. It's just like that's, using your resources. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good way to, uh, to get around that. That's pretty, uh, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, all right. Yeah, so that's creative. What's, uh, is that four? That's four, right? You said, yeah, that's four. So it was, um, camera, camera, two lens, lenses, one oh, mic. It's only three. Camera, two lenses, one mic. Well, Can two I? lenses, that counts as like one. Okay. Like lens pack is one. Okay. <laughs> you think that's, do you no, think it does? I, no, that, that works. I mean, it, when you're looking at a backpack, like, 
for, there, you're list. telling me there's five slots. Yeah, there's there's and five. Fill those five yeah. slots. Yeah, you got to fill those five slots. So that's Camera, that's four total. Lens right now. one and two. Like okay, Mike. last thing. I don't think I don't think there's a light. My tour experience running and gunning. I I dabbled in a lot of on-camera lighting, but it always looks mm-hmm. the same. There's yeah. always a shadow of the microphone in the shot. Like mm, it's yeah. it's hard to get right without looking ridiculous with like a giant light on and like yeah those bigger ones like the the color shifting ones that like going between like 32 like 28 32 64 like yeah all those are either really expensive or you got to put plates on them mm-hmm. like filters so i don't think a light would make my cut i guess i could say my eh, that's kind of included too i was gonna say in ears but those are included because it's really important to Small protect stuff, your ears yeah yeah, yeah. True. I'm sorry, Chase. For what? For not having a fifth one on deck. <laughs> it's fine, dude. I mean, these are four good ones so far, so. I uh, like the idea of having a travel tripod. Oh, yeah? Would you? I know, so, I, I hear everyone always tells me about monopods and gets super excited for them, but I feel like I never see anyone outside of a trade show with a with a monopod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I, I feel that. No, that's true. I, I Monopods... <laughs> I tried that for a while, but it really changes your your style. Yeah, I tried that for a while, but it really changes style. <laughs> you dude, you are Put a genius. We're jo- we're joking about it, but you're gonna drop a mixtape on SoundCloud. It, it, the my style has always been really run and gun handheld, mm-hmm. which is why the weight thing was such a thing. The reason I do typical tripod instead of monopod is because when we are doing those talking heads, talking heads yeah, for radio. Or not radio for because there's well sometimes radio because they mm-hmm. have like online entities. Mostly like we've done one for award shows or just announcing dates and stuff. It's really nice. Like if Tyler and Josh are doing press, I go into Josh's dressing room, I set up on a tripod, um, find the best light in the room I can. Man, maybe I do bring a light now. There is an do ice light, light. An ice light that's really nice to carry. That's nice. a that's the brand ice light that's uh really nice diffused. Uh, 56k nice okay cool well would that be your last one then that or a tripod maybe the Mm -hmm. tripod's outside the bag and it's connected to the side of it but the tripod's Uh, nice because i can set up the shot and then while you know i can go mic josh up make sure everything's good and then monitor it without remembering that i need to hold like a specific composition Mm -hmm. so the tripod's like a little assistant yeah takes up a lot of room if you don't have the right size one but um Mm -hmm. You don't have to get one of those big boys if you're traveling no. with like yeah. a Eva. Yeah. They have those straps, you know. Have you seen those that you can put them on your backpack or whatever? Yeah. Like on the bottom or the top. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So light, I guess a light would be nice for those the light. moments of talking heads. Okay, the ice light. Awesome. Well, that's what's in the bag. Dude, thank you for playing. Is there any music? That's what's in the bag. The bag. I actually, I have, uh, I've got the uh, sound body. effects, but I'm kind of waiting for season two to actually put them in. <laughs> I'm yeah. right now. I'm testing them out to see if if they're too cheesy because I'm I'm I went uh, super far end on the cheesy side just to go over the top, and now I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, you just gotta commit, and then other times I'm like, that's that's not gonna come off across uh, right. <laughs> Hard is never finished. It's always abandoned. Oh my god. Thank you. That's you're so wise. Um, so real quick, last question. Software is really big, huge part of what we do. 
what software do you use regularly? Uh, not just for, you know, editing and lighting, but like, you know, plugins, if there's anything that you use, uh, like, you know, Trello or something to do project management or, you know, like even Discord you can talk about. Um, I, I started on Final Cut 7, but mm -hmm. when they stopped updating it and moved on for the 10, I decided to take that opportunity to move over to Adobe. Yeah. Uh, so like 2008, 2009, maybe even a little bit later. I, I apologize. I don't really know. It, was, it all blends together. But around that time, I was like, okay, let me try Premiere out. And for some reason, that felt really daunting. Um, yeah. And then I realized that you can set up your keyboard strokes to be mimicking Final Cut 7. So it got yeah. pretty easy. And, I, <laughs> and it kind of was a, a really easy transition, actually. And so I've stuck around with Adobe. I do think it crashes way too often. And mm. I f don't want to disrespect Adobe as a company because we actually, we actually got to do some stuff with them through the band where yeah. we did like a creative contest and I, I got to speak that. with them and they gave my girlfriend like a year of Adobe for free or something like that once. And, and I know a lot of people that use it and I've helped people with it. And I usually spend a lot of my time in premiere um, outside of that project base. I'm really using Photoshop still to create my treatments and, mm -hmm. um, and to scan, so use it to scan in all of my storyboards that I do by hand and kind of find myself living in that Adobe world most of the time um, uh, outside of that, you know, I'm using discord a lot lately mm -hmm. to kind of help my social life. Um, we have a very unique club of invite only participants, uh, that has really turned into an awesome community. And there's a bunch of opportunity for me to get creative with being like a, it gives me an opportunity to be almost like a community manager in a sense where I can create these little chat channels for people to post stuff, specifically take suggestions like you did with a, mm -hmm. a foodies one that's called Bref breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which I thought was funny yeah. looking at it right now. Um, that, and then like going back to the streaming thing, jumping into OBS and learning what it takes to mm -hmm. make the mic sound good. What's my broadcast quality? Uh, what's the wear and tear on the GPU and the CPU while I'm playing a game? What's the game like? What's the game dropping down to, and all that stuff, and and then learning more about audio uh, in Adobe has been really important. Like mm -hmm. knowing to amplify noise gate, not really noise gate as much on the actual like post processing, but in my experience, like just like uh, what's it called, uh, compression, mm -hmm. yeah, really important, Very and something important. I've been really dialing in. I was doing some highlights for a streamer like in my free time and his discord audio is way lower than his mic and so like knowing to boost those inputs and having like the the radio feel to the voice that everything comes in at the same level like normalizing and mm -hmm. having fun with that inside adobe and having fun in obs to figure out what it's what it takes to use like uh, elgato stream deck to talk to it like muting my input mm -hmm. um I don't know if I ever showed you a picture of my stream deck, but there's no logos. It's all either orange circles or white circles. Orange meaning yes. activated, yeah. white meaning off. It's off, yeah. And so I have like this really like over the top, like clean, like where mm -hmm. I only know what the buttons do. What the buttons do, yeah. Yeah, and it's like almost like when you sit in a cockpit of an yeah. airplane or like yeah. see a picture of one and the pilots know which one's to flick and which one's to push, but you don't. Yeah. And it's just being apart. Like I tried to go for that. Vibe. Yeah. It's like your little Batmobile. 
Yeah, a little Batmobile. And so, yeah. you know, I'm surrounding my office with creativity. It's not really software-based, but just making sure my room is that dream set up, running an HDMI cable from my uh, GPU all the way in the, around the house to a client monitor mm-hmm. that's in the same room. Uh, that's just a, a fourth desktop that I can like put Premiere up there when your sister or Josh are over here watching a cut mm-hmm. of something we did. Even if it's as silly as a TikTok, it's cool to go through the edits uh, yeah. with a client in there and having them sit on their own. I love that uh, coffee too. That Fashion Week TikTok. Oh yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> was so All Debbie's idea, but we freaking pulled it off. It was fun. It was it was hilarious. I watched it like a hundred times. Definitely <laughs> yeah. my favorite TikTok. I saw that so funny. Good, good. I'm gonna be done. I'm stunning. Oh, that's great. Well, let's uh, transition here to our last segment. Well, it depends. So this is a lightning round. Um, as you know, some gear is better for certain situations than others. I'm going to ask you five quick questions about the gear you would pick in different situations if you had to. Okay. Copy. And you don't have to justify it. You can just do, you know, uh, stream of consciousness. Uh, all right, here we go. You ready? Yes. So I'm going to say the, the, uh, the type of gear and then the situation that you would use it in. Uh, Understood. And then you say the type of gear that you use. Okay. Camera, music video. Alexa Mini. Alexa Mini. Uh, Lighting, studio B-roll. The ambience. Ambience. Uh, uh, Microphone, interview. This could be a shotgun mic or... uh, NTG4. NTG4. Great choice. Okay. The road. Uh, Lens, concert event. 24 to 70 to 8. Uh, gimbal, backstage B-roll. Never. Never, ever. Because you're, fuck that's your, fuck a gimbal. It's either a Steadicam professional or not. Or I, I just, It's just so, you don't get me started on that, man. Like I've yeah. tried it a few times and yeah, it looks pretty, but mm-hmm. you're, there's, there's very few people that are doing anything new with it. And I feel like mm-hmm. yeah. some artists are getting led, led astray saying that they need a gimbal. When yeah. that's not a storytelling device. That's just like a nice B-roll saves your time and post. Mm-hmm. So ne- what's the, never what's the studio equivalent of that? The studio equivalent of a gimbal? Of, of throwing a DSLR on a gimbal. Um, you know what? Let's see. That's a good question. You know what it is? What is it? It's like sampling it's- claps. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know. Well, stupid. actually, right. yeah. No, I mean that's that's true. I mean, we do use. So, I mean, samples no, are used fine. a lot. That's a bad, yeah. That's yeah, a bad we, example. Yeah, we do a lot I, of I'm samples. Not. I think you know what it probably is, because um, I think the, easy the rig, idea, maybe. The what's that? It's not really a gimbal, but I could say easy rig. Like if you have a heavier camera, it's the the fishing pole looking thing that comes up mm-hmm. your spine. You look like a little scorpion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the wire okay. comes down, and it just, it just, yeah. it doesn't, it's not a gimbal. Yeah, but no, it's, no. It's like but a that's, support system. Yeah. So I would, I would pick that. So would you pick could that do I that and strap something in. do the C300 and not be weighed down. And not be a, a, a wuss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's kind of cool. Well, that's the, actually, you know what? I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because I know this is a lightning round and you just finished it. Congratulations. Wait, that was uh, it? That was it. That was just the nice. five. You did it. And that was actually, you know, it was it was pretty quick. It's not that bad. Um, but that's interesting that you don't use a gimbal. And I totally get it because like your style when you look at it is very, 
you know, it is very handheld and it's very emotional. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You could, someone could argue, like, you can get that with a gimbal you if can. you're talented with a gimbal, but I would either go steady cam with the steady cam op, yeah, which I have for music video, like Chlorine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one, the migraine video that was only in the UK had one. Like, we've had some great ops. The guy yeah. that did it in, for Chlorine was the best in Australia. Like, he was the steady cam up. Yeah. So, like, there's that. But then, like, the gimbal thing, I feel like it just adds another road case. It's mm-hmm. just, it just cleans up your B roll a little bit. Yeah. I, I just, it does make I just it don't look prefer it. Kind of smooth. I don't know. It like, does make it smooth. For, but, yeah. But it, you're kind of, lo- you're not losing as much as you're getting, but I just don't prefer it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's it's all about preference, man. It makes sense. Well, dude, thanks so much for for coming on this podcast and uh, tell everyone uh, where we can find you on the internet. Whenever I am on tour is usually when I'm on socials the most. So everything by search of R-E-E-L-B-E-A-R-M-E-D-I-A, Real Bear Media. Real like a camera reel, bear like the animal, media like my job. Yeah. <laughs> That's on everything. I actually was going to wear my shirt. It's not R E A L B A R E. Do people get that mixed up a lot? Never. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine it seems pretty pretty obvious with the thing. So, that's cool. So, uh Twitter I Instagram. did have I did have a a local hand at one show look at my shirt and say, "Oh, real bear media. That's really cool. It's cool to see you like represent the community." And he thought it was it meant like I was a, a gay man bear like of the bear community. Oh and really? I was, like, I was like, I was actually kind of flattered that like I could represent. Yeah. <laughs> I could represent like he he like thought it was cool. He wanted a shirt. I gave him one. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah! I think like, nice. <laughs> rep- like I love representing that. that that's funny. It's, I don't know. It was, it was like the only time I ever got that, and I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty great. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Usually the bear community is seen as like burly and strong. I was like, if that's yeah. what you think I am, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I, I can pass. Okay, cool. cool, cool, cool <laughs> yeah, I'll cool. pass for that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again so much for talking to me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, man. I man. mean, I'll see you probably this evening for yeah, games if you're around. <laughs> yeah, probably in the next two hours. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get something to eat and come back and see you again. Well, it goes well, without saying I love you and I love your wife. And I love that, you know, my girlfriend and, and the four of us can have like a friendship that, you know, we would do anything for each other. So thanks for uh, giving me a shot at being a good friend of yours. Same, dude. I love you so much. Like, this is... This is what I want to do for the rest of my life is just talk to you and 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 all of the people that I love about this stupid irrelevant stuff that makes us so happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> GPUs and, yeah. and plugging in the right wire and making sure that it's the Cat 7. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, dude, I love you again. Thanks so much for coming on. Man, what a great conversation with Mark. We probably talk three or four times a week and I'm still constantly learning things about him. Please make sure to follow Mark on his socials and if you enjoy Twitch, give him a follow there as well. It's a real fun time. Just a reminder, we are all massive gearheads here because it helps enable us to do what we love. But the most important thing is to do the thing, regardless of the gear you have. 
So please join me this week, make the thing. We wanna see it, we wanna hear it. You can tell us all about what you're working on at our Instagram, gear for you Pod. And there'll be a fun little note there this week that Mark wrote to his mom as a child. So please go check that out. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. We'd love to have you as a part of our gear for you community. And as always, we're gear for you.